Friday, August 23rd, 2018. This is Postmarkdom 19, and I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host, on August 31st, 2018. Did I say a different date? You said the 23rd, which was... 23rd? Hey, that's okay, Scott. You're my friend. We all make mistakes here on Postmarkdom, Meta Perspectives, and Professional Wrestling. I'm Tim Crisp. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm great, Tim. How are you? I'm doing okay, you know, because I... I, I'm aware of, of dates just because, you know, I, got, I know that I got to pay rent and I got I got bills coming up on that first of the month. Ooh. But luckily it's Saturday. So, you know, can hold off a little bit on the hey, debt collector. It's the weekend. Uh-huh. We got a and we got a we got a big weekend. It's the the Labor Day is on Monday. And of course, we have all in is on Saturday. And you're going to be going to that. That's true. I'm all in, baby. That's pretty cool. I'm not all in this year uh i I don't know we talked about the uh kind of just feeling a little worn out after so much wrestling you know in the past year this past year's been pretty jammed we've done so much a lot of our wrestling events have been jammed i saw i drove by the uh all-state arena yesterday and saw the sign up for monday night raw and i just like you know they're like buy your tickets now and i just did not even consider no i don't even i don't know when it's gonna be there or whatever but there's just no chance yeah not that i'm angry or anything it's just i don't want to deal i just could not imagine like sitting through it right now i couldn't imagine going through the process right now and yeah i think that's kind of where i was on all in but We'll we'll talk about all in. We got uh we got some stuff going on in the WWE though. Our main focus for this show, as it were, um, and I mean the number one hottest topic of the summer is Becky Lynch. Uh, straight fire, you could call that. That's a a hot topic. Um, so Becky kind of goes and continues on her sort of ascent. As as far as the crowd reaction goes, and one would say decent in terms of, uh, you know, the the character, the way that she carries herself against her opponent, Charlotte Flair. Becky, you know, wants a fighting uh, contender. Do you think, okay, so I'm wondering, I don't know, I can't tell anymore if they're trying to to force Becky into this heel role or if they're just kind of letting her because she know she said the B word, right? She got angry and she's not like high fiving anybody, but she's also, she wasn't shitting on the crowd this time around. She didn't like do any cheap heel tactics. She just was there to fight. Well, there's a third hand account out that says that they are changing the direction really? of it a little bit that they're, that they're, just kind of going with maybe Becky's going to be kind of in the same vein, but not over that that line into, you know, full-on heel. That's awesome. It, it's fantastic. And honestly, like, I've been sold hundreds of times over on Becky, and even in this role, too. But I have to say that... When she walks away from the ring, when she's just got those shoulders back, that blank stare forward, 
as if nothing is entering her field of vision. I am so sold on that character. Well, and I think what's really great about that too is that previously in the past since I've watched her as a wrestler, she's been one of those had like a, a light Bailey thing going on where she's always taken it all in. She's, you know, breathing and absorbing the crowd. She's giving it back to him. She's never been this very straightforward, narrow minded, focused competitor. And now she fucking puts on black clothes. She is tough as nails, super serious. There's semiotics that are just at play here. Yeah. And she's she's getting shit done and she's hotter than she's ever been. Like the crowd is going nuts for her. She's got that that look in her eyes that just like a switch has been flipped and there's no turning one back. It's like it's like when you you see someone who's who's possessed and you like get in their face and you realize that like the person that you know is not behind those eyes anymore. But, you know, one thing that I always think about with in terms of like the the great ones is I always go back to the way Steve Austin and The Rock would walk into the ring and, like, act as if nothing around them was just entering in, you know, the the sphere in which they existed. Like, Austin was just straightforward, and, you know, he would get into the ring, like, barely acknowledge his opponent, go to each corner, and just do it with just this, like this terseness that was just like, oh my God, he's fucking serious. And then The Rock just, you know, also walks out like he's fucking God's gift to the earth. And Becky's got that quality in her right now where she's just moving in this way where she's very, very self-assured and very, very good in this role. I'm so interested to see how this plays out because I do think that there's... This could just be like a nice angle that they do for the next couple months and it could just be a lot of fun and Becky maybe wins the title and we're all really happy about it. But it's also very possible this could turn into something like huge. This could be a bit of... Because I think what's really interesting here is that not only is this angle like really fun and compelling, but also I think it's been brought up many times that... Uh, a lot of the women's angles tend to not have the same depth of storytelling that a lot of the men's angles have ended yeah. up having, having over the course of history, which is likely because of the time they've been given and, you know, there's breathing room now and maybe that's a lot of why this is happening. But, like, this is the first real blood feud that I can think of that actually makes sense. Yeah, I think that Charlotte and Sasha had a lot of passion in it but i think that while that was happening we were all kind of like wishing that it was just given a little bit more depth to it it's like we were it was like watching two really great indie wrestlers wrestle each other right in a, a long series of matches long series of matches a lot of title changes and those two were you know they did the first hell in a cell they main evented raw you know they were the ones that kind of like broke through it i likened ronda recently to hulk hogan and i think that becky has you know within that analogy becky's a lot like randy savage here where she's 
it's like it's like when things are good when things are good it elevates everything right like Rhonda has has suddenly brought such a star power to everything that her matches like honestly every pay-per-view match that Rhonda has had could have been a main event nobody would have sneezed at that i don't think that's true but she hasn't had one yet huh yeah that's interesting um but i think that when she elevates it in the way that she does that leaves an open space for somebody to come up that's not only just like you know a great wrestler that's capable of having good matches but someone who has a little bit more depth to them and i think that becky works in this interesting uh sort of avenue where there's nothing that's clear about what she is she's sort of just got a magnetic charge to her right now and everybody's latching on to it and then there's a lot of intrigue in what's happening behind it which is like what i always loved about randy savage was that not only was he awesome in the ring and he cut amazing promos but he was just so different you yeah, know? he would was on a totally different wavelength than a lot of other than anybody, obviously. And I think that when you have like when you have someone that's big up top, there's there's always going to be someone who's kind of like working to like I guess complement the entirety of the division, and it's not necessarily in opposition to the person on top, but it's just somebody else who's doing something that's just like, oh fuck, that's. This is mighty interesting. Yeah. And it's cool now that we have these almost uh, these very well-defined characters that are starting to spring up in ways, you know, like Charlotte is this legacy. I I think it's difficult to say that there's a a greater women's wrestler out there, right? Like Charlotte is the greatest women's wrestler. It, it's like a fucking awesome spot that she's in Rhonda's in the Rhonda spot the Hulk Hogan spot but now it's interesting that there's other it's not just like this is the best one that's that's the one that's on top of the card and that's it which right. we we had for a while with Charlotte yeah which was cool. I mean I think we had it kind of on both sides you know it was like whoever's got the title that's who the entire division is is chasing Mm-hmm. Now and now, even though Charlotte and Rhonda are the champions, there's something more to, uh, you know, why Becky is chasing after Charlotte. It's not just for the title, and yeah, it's it, everything's just a little bit fuller. I think if yeah. it's if it if, if it's a novel, it goes from like. 150 pages to like 225 sure yeah it's like actually filled out there's details and subtleties and just like a lot of the flourishes that make wrestling what it is when it's at its best yeah which is great man i feel like over the past couple years as like the women's revolution very big air quotes around that has been happening as as women have been like getting a decent spot for the first time in wwe uh i think we've been doing a lot of cheering and like really uh, trying to like back this shit as hard as we can because it's awesome what that's happening and it's i think a lot of the time it's been really great and a lot of the time it's just been like cool they 
you know, Sasha and Charlotte did the first Hell in a Cell. Right. It's like, like that's, it's like this yes. isn't everything what I this isn't everything I would like it to be, but at least we have, you know, the fact that this is the first time that this is happening. And at least we have two matches on the show and you know, both of them are going ten minutes ish. It's like these are things that are like, okay, this is this is all good. This is like building something, uh, some set of. I guess it's like kind of just setting the ground for like this is how things are now. Mm-hmm. Like this is the way that we're doing it, and you know, it's like when you make when you make a change. I think especially too when it comes to uh, identity politics, like you kind of have to force it and if you want to be on the right side of it you have to be behind it because that change is good and even if it's not you know i we were watching during charlotte and sasha and there was that feel of like all of these matches are good i just wish that it was given like a little bit more depth to it i wish that there was more breathing room to it um but you're happy that it's happening yeah definitely and now we've now we've established all that, so now it's like, okay, cool, let's let's give some meat to it because now people, if they weren't behind it all in before, like they're behind it now, and I think for you and I, progressives that we are, um, I this is seriously this is watching Becky Lynch is the reason that I. I'm not only turning on SmackDown, but I'm excited to see what happens next on SmackDown. Yeah, it's definitely the most exciting thing that's happening. And it's the first time in a while that I've been compelled uh, on an earnest level on how wrestling is working. And not on this like either like postmodern analysis level or this meta ironic level or this. You know, just kind of annoyed, like yeah, or like just not stoked about it. All of this time that we've spent, just like wondering what the deal is with Brock and Roman, right? Which was compelling as hell, but it's that's because of so many weird other influences aside from just like wow, this wrestling angle is awesome, right? And I think that like you know the the Roman thing and and Brock too. It's like it's a little angering, and you're just kind of like you know. I just want them to fucking figure it out. Yeah, something's broken here. You're watching something that's broken. And I think that a lot of the reaction to what was going on with Becky a couple weeks ago was maybe sort of reflective of just that, like, they don't know what they're doing. They never know what they're doing. And there might be truth to that. But I think that more, for me, what's guiding it a lot more, I think, for everybody is just an excitement of just, like, I I really want this to go somewhere good. And yeah. I think that I didn't think of a belief that it will be. Yeah, I think finally I I mean I've been I've been on two sides of this the whole time, right? Like just wanting this to happen and hoping that things were going to go the way that they kind of are going. Like, you know, not necessarily narratively, but just in like overall sense of like Becky getting a real push and the crowd getting behind her and this like actually working. Uh, I think that's great. I think I've been stoked and hoping this would happen this entire time. But also, yeah, I was very, I've been very nervous. I'm still very nervous. I'm, you know, trying to hedge bets as much as possible here and not put the the cart before the horse. Um, 
but it seems like it's like it's really working and they finally understand that it's really working they're closing shows with this like this is this is the angle and i think that there's like yeah you you mentioned like kind of the actual just kayfabe excitement to it too which i've couldn't tell you the last time that i was excited in this way about just like i want the i want these two to wrestle yeah i want the i want the person that was wronged to win the match yeah that's i want that to happen really badly and not just because i mean it's i think that this is maybe one of those perfect storms of of being this in the no wrestling fan at this point just being a fucking grown-up watching wrestling that you have all of this backstage knowledge and you have your favorites because of that knowledge but then you also can now and then buy into the storyline and i feel like that doesn't those two don't combine on uh too many levels all that often right i think because one tends to negate the other in general it does right and and in this case though it's they're the perfect storm is happening and and also everybody loves cheering a good heel turn especially yeah, when it's too? like you know not uh not a true it's not a bullshit one this is not this is this has i mean like we talked about before like all good bad guys have that real motivation and they're not wrong with what they're saying and like I love that they're not fully playing her as a real bad guy. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're doing some mean shit because some mean shit happened to you. Okay, cool. Yeah, mean shit happened to you. You were nice for as long as you could handle it. And now you're trying to take what you think you deserve. Awesome, because I think you deserve it, too. Which is a, I, I, so I think it's, it's, it is exciting. And it's an interesting thing to look at. Um just because, you know, we had w- the era that we all look at with starry eyes is is the one where the bad guys became good guys because that's what really is in the heart of everybody is that they want to you know they want to unleash some shit or they want to yeah and now we've we've kind of like gone back a little bit but there's like maybe a little bit too much awareness the curtain's been lifted a little bit too much to like fully go back to kayfabe but this i think is it's an interesting spot in between where there is that energy of like you know well she's she's attacking someone who didn't really do anything like terribly wrong but also like Fuck that. Yeah. You've been you've been you've been a good person for so long and where did that get you? Right, exactly. And I think that's all that's all I mean, maybe if if we had this really black and white blue collar story of Stone Cold Steve Austin saying fuck the boss, now it, it's you know, Becky Lynch is playing this much more shades of gray character that is has been showing up and clocking into work and doing fine and now realizing that other people are passing her up and she's like okay, I guess I have to fucking play the game now. I guess I have right. to, like, buy in and, and get dirty here. Uh, which I think is a lot more subtle than what was happening back in the day, but it's also, like, something that I think people quite often think about, where it's just it's, like... Uh, it's th- an absolute reality. And, I mean, especially, too, if you want to if you want to put it in those terms, you look at someone like Charlotte, who's, like, she's just been there for forever. And, you know... And she's she's never going to go away because of what? Because of who she is? Right. She gets the title shot whenever she wants one. Uh-huh. Which, you know, maybe she deserves, maybe not, whatever. But 
I well, think, I like the idea that she does deserve it. Right. Totally. She's she. We all know Charlotte can be inserted into the main event picture at any point in time, and it's worth it. Like it makes sense, and it's good. And I think that this is, you know, we live in an era too where you have you have fans cheering for who they want to cheer for because of who they like, and why not embrace the fact that like people are just going to cheer Becky because they want her to win. She can be right. And also Charlotte cannot be completely wrong. That's a lot more true to life. And even if it's not, you know, you want to make it simple for everybody to understand in the audience, people can make up their minds. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's clearly what's happening here is that no one would boo Charlotte in any other situation here. Everybody would be cheering for Charlotte. Yeah. But the crowd has very obviously spoken. And something is... something is. There's a confluence of a lot of things here. And it's all coming together in a it's really... It's an interesting a- time. I think that, like, you know... Like, wrestling, it's, it's beautiful in that way that you you see the way an audience changes in front of you you know it's like you look at artistic movements of the past and they're all determined by a group of of people or an individual who sees like what is happening and what they like and what they don't like and you know you do something like the Ramones, which is just like, this is what we want, and you do it, and then all of a sudden there's millions of people who have been wanting it too. Sure. But in wrestling, it's it's kind of inverse in a little way, in that like the the rea- the art is in reaction to how the fans are taking it in, what they're giving to back to the product yeah and that balance is such an interesting one it's been one that has definitely been i mean we've talked about it before it's been called into question specifically by people like cm punk and daniel bryan like this is the era of this happening and it's really interesting to see the wrestling storyline react to the fan reaction i mean these are both it's it's such a reactionary process in this very um, cyclical way, right? Like the fans are reacting to the wrestlers and how they're they're doing things, and then that wrestling storyline is reacting to that fan reaction, and they're trying to both find this perfect balance between the two. Yeah, and one thing that I I think it's interesting to consider because I think that a lot of us want the Daniel Bryan story to play out for Becky, and I think in some senses that will, but. I think what might be a lot more interesting and what might give us a lot more moving forward is to think about it less as, okay, well, turns out you like her, so we'll give her, we'll give her to you the way you want. Like, no, let's, let's keep her this way because she's getting, she's getting a lot of that. It's, it's an interesting type of heat, right? Where everybody's like, we're on your side, like no matter what. Yeah. And what she's doing on TV is incredibly compelling because it's playing into that in a sense, but it's 
also not. It's that's like underneath what's playing into it, right? That she's pissed off. She's like, I want this. I'm I'm fucking gonna walk over whoever I have to to get it. That's that's the pathos, right? Yeah. But, but she's also playing a heel. Right. But all of it is getting support from the fans because the fans are behind her. And the fact that she's doing something that's angry and getting people excited, it's just, it's an interesting confluence, I think, of of a lot of different factors that haven't been seen. And I think that there's a lot of different ways to spin that into storylines that are a little bit more interesting than just the baby face eventually wins. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also talking about the Daniel Bryan parallels, it's definitely there. Right. And I do hope that they pick and choose some portions of that narrative here. Right. Like there's some obvious, like the underdog narrative of someone that wasn't getting booked that deserved it. Like that's there and there's no, denying that right and i think we all do in the end hope that becky lynch wins the championship you know and has a great amazing moment but also something that didn't happen in daniel bryan's ascent in that story i mean i guess there were moments of it but there's no anger throughout that daniel bryan doesn't play badass ever that's not his thing there's the that revolution it in the ring the when everybody got in the ring, like that was his biggest moment of rebellion. And it was just a big smile hug fest, which was great and played to Daniel Bryan's character in a really amazing way. But he would never wore black, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what the complete difference is here. And that is what is making Becky Lynch. So just like searingly exciting right now. Absolutely. Um, now, so we know that you're, that you're pulling for, Becky, but what I really want to know, what everybody, the question on everybody's mind is, are you are you a Roman guy or are you a Braun guy? How? What are we supposed to do with this now? I'm really unsure about. I don't know if anybody has real stakes in this at this point because there was a ton of emotion going into. Roman and Brock and we talked about it a lot about how it maybe it wasn't standard traditional wrestling emotion it wasn't uh, baby face and heel emotion this what do you want you no, want I just this want some water. Oh, okay uh, it wasn't the standard baby face and heel uh, stakes that everybody like kind of felt um, but there was a lot people had stuff invested in that they wanted Brock to lose so that the title could be defended or they wanted Roman to they lose. They wanted a defending champion. Right. And, and we got one now. We got a real day-to-day hardworking guy. But you know, this is all to say that there was, everybody had a, an opinion and the crowd fucking made noises for those matches. And now I don't know what anybody's investment is besides mild booze towards Roman and cheering for the shield <laughs> but like what where right. what are we supposed to give a shit about here it's it's tough i mean i think that the idea of making this a a feud between um 
team Braun and the shield is a lot more interesting. Um, and I do like the look of Braun Strowman teaming with Ziggler and McIntyre. I think that that's pretty dope. Yeah. It's um, a mean ass little stable. And it'd be nice to have a heel stable. Yeah. Um, I also I don't, don't, I don't yeah, know like, the how does answer. That, <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. It's hard because that also, I, like you're saying, the look of that stable is great, but I don't know the the purpose behind any of it. I don't. Braun is not really a traditional. He's a heel, I guess now, but I I don't really understand why they're all friends, and. I don't know. I just don't. It's there's no momentum I that, here. I think that there. It's possible that we get a good explanation from Braun uh, on why he's doing what he's doing. Um, I sure maybe. hope so. I think that you know something we talked about in pre-pro is that. Oh, that's short for pre-production. Hey, come on. To all the uh, listeners out there, I'd like to re- reveal some podcast secrets podcasting exposed i think that smackdown this week hit on all cylinders i think raw this week hit lightly on a couple yeah i mean we have that this feud this this main event feud but we also have watched the slow but then also sudden just crash and burn of kevin owens which I think has been really weird and now has been made a little bit more interesting. Yes. He quit. He, he quit, quit after speaking French. Um, I love when he does that. It's so cool. Did, you, did you read what he said? No, what did he, he say? Said, he said, now you're mad at me that I'm speaking in French, but I don't care. You bought my shirt. Fuck yeah. He's the best. He's so good. I, yeah, I would really love to see that go somewhere, uh, go somewhere exciting. I think that really it's the only thing that like can be done with Kevin Owens after all of that. Yeah. He I'm got telling you, man. Buried. I'm telling you, Braun Strowman isn't good for anybody. I really don't think so. I, I mean, the only, I, he, he's going to be good if Roman beats him. That's going to be a positive thing that Roman can to notch on his belt. But aside from that, I don't, he's just bulldozed people. And maybe that's fine. Maybe Kevin Owens gets to take a couple months off. He comes back and starts some shit. Because he's been, he's been shit on since WrestleMania. Yeah. He hasn't gotten a win. And at this point, it totally makes sense. And it's, it's like, this will be great. Kevin Owens is a special wrestler, and I don't think we've seen that out of him uh, in any real spotlit way for the past year. Yeah, it's been a long time. He looked great against Seth, and that was... That match was sick! That was one of the first times he's looked good in, yeah, I mean, like, pre-WrestleMania. So this is... This is good. It's compelling too mm-hmm. because I don't know where I don't know where it's going. It's What's the over under on the length of his uh, retirement, his quitting? Um, I'd say he's back after Hell in a Cell. Okay, 
which is what two weeks two away? weeks away and then there's so it's also worth mentioning that we have this crazy season of pay-per-views right now that is something that we had never really had previously and i'm not really sure what it means i'm so tired i don't know so we have hell in a cell right which is the standard kind of like it's a weird pay-per-view because it's definitely one of the lesser pay-per-views but it also has hell in a cell matches which are cool uh why isn't it in october shouldn't it be in october because it's spooky it's halloween yeah that would be cool what are you gonna be for halloween this year i don't know man I yeah. I I really don't know. What are you gonna be? Oh, do you have a good costume? I got a really good costume. Did you tell it? To, I think you told me already. Yeah. Well, I can tell. It. What do you think? Should I tell him? I think you should tell him because I don't remember what it is. Wouldn't it be that that weird S? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's such a good, such a good Halloween. I'm gonna costume. make that. I'm gonna make a a cardboard thing to put over my body. It's <laughs> gonna be, it's gonna be. Uh, 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 what is that? A hexagon? It's a, like a the long Stussy hexagon. X. The Stussy S. With the three, the Stussy, yeah, the S the, with the three lines and the yeah. three lines. That's going to be me. I'm going to have my, my face hole cut out and my arms. It's perfect. I got the, I got, I got the design. I'll you, show it to you. You, uh, I love to I've see been, a I've sketch. Been, I haven't been at a Halloween party in four or five years things just keep happening to pull me out of town for halloween it's a it's a sad story i know but yeah halloween parties are some of the best parties around yeah totally well you know what was a real good party last halloween my grandmother's memorial service oh what'd you you dress up as (laughs) i dressed up as as a as a kid who has to go to easter mass because that's what i looked like i i had khakis and a tie on (laughs) Oh man, my mom's like, my mom's like, brush your hair, and I'm like, I don't have any. I'm thirty. <laughs> I uh, yeah. So also this week, uh, you tried to convince me with some trickery that uh, the Minnesota Wild had uh, a gifted Prince uh, a jersey. With I the- said, I said, did you know that that. The first ever Minnesota Wild game that the organization presented Prince with a with a jersey, a custom made jersey that on the back said Prince. And then instead of a number, it just had the Prince symbol. And I was like, man, that's so cool. And I was like, yes, I got him. I convinced them of something that's not true. Turns out that actually happened. It was real. But I was thinking about this. When you mentioned it, I was like, man, it'd be cool to get a hockey jersey with that S on it. Oh, that would instead be Instead cool. of a number. Oh, that would be man. pretty badass. Uh, or it might look like a like a Juggalo hockey jersey, but I think it'd still be pretty it badass. It would probably look like a, a Juggalo hockey jersey. Well, it, it would, maybe it would be a Slipknot because they have that like mm. that S logo. Yeah. It'd be extreme. Well, all right. I think uh, we talked a little bit earlier uh today about uh maybe revealing revealing uh taking a trip back in time uh, if you will a trip back in time uh yeah you know close your eyes uh just take a deep breath and uh travel with me back to uh 20 years in the past august 31st 
1998. What were wow. you doing on August 31st, 1998? Oh, I'm sure I was playing outside because it was with the last days of summer. Mm, the waning was, days. And I was thinking, uh, I was thinking, wow, it's amazing that that President Clinton survived the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Oh, the blue dress. And yeah, and uh, you know, I probably probably just got home from seeing Armageddon in the theaters. Yo, okay, Armageddon is sick. You want to know something about me? I cried at the end of Armageddon when I saw it in the theaters in 1998. It's emotional, It's an emotional movie. I was an emotional child. That movie is so well put together. It is so smartly made. You know, my mom used to work at uh, the Bridgewater Mall in uh, New Jersey. And some days she would go to work during the summer and I would just go with her to work and I would just go to the movies. Ah, cool. And... You know, I would see I would see two movies and then come back to the gap where my mom was working and then go home. Sounds awesome. And that's the summer. I was 12 years old that summer, 98. And uh, or no, I was 11. But either way, I cried at pretty much every movie that I saw. You know, just <laughs> so this wasn't special at all. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it really wasn't. I was I was a very emotional child. And that's like, you know, you you got you got some puberty going on. Yeah, you're working through issues. You're figuring out how to feel feelings. Patch Adams saw that in the theater, cried. I never seen Patch Adams. Well, you know what? It's not very good, but you know who is good in it? Philip Hoffman. Oh, is he in it? He plays he plays he play Robin a rival Williams. clown. No, he plays he plays Robin Williams' roommate, who, okay. and he's just like, he's such a tight ass. And uh, he's uh, like, quit with all of the funny business. Why yeah, tr- I, this is serious. And 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 uh, Patch does so great in school, and even though he's kind of a joker, right? And Phil Hoffman's like, I think he reports him for possibly cheating because he's like, I'm studying all the time, and you're out there freaking with clown shoes on and you're not doing as well as I am. And they have some very, very good tense scenes. And I remembered thinking to myself, that guy is really good at acting. Philip? Yeah. He is a good actor. Yeah. He's great in that movie. I'm, he's got, he's, he's one of those guys that just like you, you watch any bullshit movie that he's in and he's going to be good in it. Yeah. It was cool to watch. Mission Impossible Three. Again. Oh, he's, he's fantastic great in that movie. He's fucking fantastic. That's what that movie. That movie is just about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Did you, uh, twenty years ago, did you happen to catch the uh, episode of Monday Night Football that aired that week? Is the first the first episode of the uh, football season? Oh my God, the first episode of the football season in nineteen ninety eight. So who's who's playing? It was a. Super Bowl rematch, if you will, between the Green Bay Packers and the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. That's right, those Mile High Party Boys. Oh my God, you got John Elway. You got Terrell. Terrell Davis, uh, Shannon Sharp Shannon at wide Sharp. receiver Love versus Shannon Sharp. Brett uh, Brett Favre and and uh, Reggie White. Reggie White was fun as hell. Dorsey Levens. 
uh, fucking Robert Brooks at wide receiver, Antonio Freeman. That Antonio was a, Freeman was yeah. That was a good Packers team. That and, was, and they had the they were popularizing the uh, the Lambo leap. Oh, the Lambo loved leap the Lambo was leap. huge. See, uh, my dad's a Packers fan. So how is your dad a Packers? Fan? Well, he moved around a lot. So like when he when he becomes satiant and uh, and he starts watching football, he's living in Wisconsin, and you got Lombardi's. Uh, Packers are are doing the thing, so he's that a he's sense. a Bart Starr guy. They're very and, much you know, America's I, I, team. I grew up in in New Jersey, and I actually, but I never really liked football. And it was like, well, the Giants are cool, and the Jets are less cool. Um, but then the Packers got good, and then my dad's like, oh yeah, well, I've always been a Packers fan, and I'm like, well, I could get behind this because fucking Brett Favre is cool. And he hadn't pulled his wiener out yet. He hadn't pulled his wiener out yet. You know, he beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 1996, 97. They faced the Broncos. And, uh, yeah, John Elway gets his first Super Bowl. That's a great Super Bowl game. I don't know if you remember it. I don't remember it. It's one of the best that I've ever seen. Is there a safety in that game? Mm, I, I think I only remember Super Bowls that have safeties. There in was them. a safety recently. There was, and it was like the first play of the game, and I thought that's probably the best Super Bowl that ever happened. Yeah, I think that the best Super Bowl that I ever watched was the. It was either the Steelers and the Cardinals in probably 2008 or 2009. Um, also, the Rams and the Titans in like the year when 2000. Was, this? was that? Did that? Well, happen? that was. Yeah, that was Kurt Warner's. Uh, Rams Vince team. Vince Young? Who was the quarterback no. of the Titans? You know, I don't remember who the quarterback of the Titans was. All I know is that the Titans were in the wild card game that year. Uh, and they... When they were recently changed. They were recently... Right. They, they moved, moved from to, Houston. Yeah. To Tennessee. And then they were the Oilers. And then there's no oil in Tennessee. So they were like, well, we're in Tennessee, the land of the Titans. So we got to be the Titans. Classic Greek Tennessee. But, but they won They they won their wild card game. They, they were in Buffalo. And Buffalo uh, scored a touchdown with, like, a couple seconds left. And then they... So they do a kickoff, and the Titans receiver catches it, runs to the sidelines, people start following him, and then he just chucks it all the way across to some guy that's just like, like a lateral sin. pass. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then that was like that was like their story it was this crazy play, and then they they went to the Super Bowl, and then uh, the Rams won, but the Titans had like a last second play where. Guy got tackled on like the three yard line and stretched his arm out to like half a yard away from into the end zone. That's it was amazing. So beautiful. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite Super Bowl. But the but the Super Bowl rematch from 1998 probably drew a pretty big rating. Oh, uh, it did. Drew. Uh, it actually drew a 9.5 rating. So that means that means 9.5 out of 10 people watched. <laughs> The 9.5 Super Bowl. doctors out of 10 <laughs> recommended the Super Bowl rematch. You know, this hand sanitizer kills 9.5 <laughs> out of 10 bacteria on your hands. <laughs> so it got this 9.5. Uh, and, and this is something interesting now that I think we talk about when I, I mean, you and I don't quite talk about it too often, but the, the ratings get brought up about wrestling now and then. And right. Get used as. 
uh, I think, metrics for success for how the company's doing, for how the quality of the shows are. I think this gets, and I don't know if they're necessarily correlative in real life, but I think people use them to maybe suggest that they are. Uh, but what gets brought up quite often is how Monday Night Football affects Monday Night Raw. Uh, and we're we're heading into that season. We're about to walk in. I think next next week, maybe two weeks from now. Oh, what's the football what's the soon. Monday Night Football game for the first first week of the season? Is it a Super Bowl rematch? It might be a Super Bowl rematch. Is I don't John know. Elway gonna be there? I think he probably is gonna throw out the first pitch. Wow. I'm not. Uh, the f- he's gonna he's gonna throw out the first Lambo leap. <laughs> The, uh, but on this on this day, twenty five, uh, twenty years ago, uh, Raw and Nitro drew a combined nine point nine rating uh, between the two shows. Oh, which is interesting to just. I think the point of this is that more people watched wrestling than watched football. Even if even if divided, they still watched more. Which is fucked up. Can you imagine if the people in your life that watch sports instead just watch wrestling? Like the normos that you know, you know it. It's so interesting to look back at at something like this and and to think about the fact that nobody would be watching either of those things on Monday night if they're, like maybe they're watching Monday Night Football, but anybody who's watching wrestling now is watching Monday Night Raw the next day, unless they're, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what normal people do. I don't but, know either. I I think I I do think that we're in a weird category. Maybe, uh, holy shit! Could you imagine watching Monday Night Raw as Live? it's happening? Though I I did it for Raw twenty five because I was concerned that there would be spoilers of sorts, some big moments, and I wanted to I see if they would happen. I think we did that happen. together. Oh no, no, we did the thousandth episode of Raw together. Yeah, those are the ones I think. You know, I might watch the thousandth episode of smackdown maybe yeah. we could watch it together uh-huh uh it'll be nice to hang out it would be cool to hang i think uh but yeah no i watching these shows live seems like the worst yeah there are they're three hours three hours long no no chance in hell is what i would say to that wow there's Bum. no chance um yeah it that that's that's pretty crazy though to consider that um that raw and nitro together raw's beating nitro at this point right does it say what raw's rating was uh, in comparison to I nitro i don't i'm not seeing uh cuz i think it's like the, i think it's two. like this is this is sort of i think the the middle of this year of 1998 is when the the ratings sway start to totally it. swing right um what's what's interesting to me here is that uh now if we're just comparing this to today's numbers, uh, Monday Night Football's ratings last year was uh, hovering somewhere around a 3.9, and Monday Night Raw's ratings just a couple of weeks ago was a 0.9. Um, wow. People don't watch TV anymore. People don't watch TV. They watch TV, but they, they binge watch. Uh, the, have you heard of this? Binge yeah. watching? Yeah. You know, I just I just sat down and I just watched I just watched eight episodes of Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's what they do. They don't Binge watching. They're football. like people are like, did you see the game? And 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 you're just like, ah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna wait till till I have the day off. I mean, yeah, Labor Day is a good weekend. I'm just gonna binge. binge watch the first few episodes. Yeah, just I, do it all. It's just how I, I watch like TV doing now. It that way better anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I I think it's really fucking crazy that now the combined numbers between wrestling and Monday night football is half of what the numbers were for one of those programs. Right. Uh, 20 years ago. It's a lot of bacteria that's not being, being taken care of. Yeah. No, it's really running rampant. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, a couple of other <laughs> points of note here. Uh, on Monday Night Raw this past week, uh, in 1998, uh, an angle was started between Edge and Gangrel. Uh, oh, okay. Dave yeah. Meltzer reported. Right, Edge. Edge is just uh, kind of really starting to to gain some steam a little bit. You know, uh-huh. he was at SummerSlam '98. He was Sable's mystery partner. And he's Gangrel. A, he's you know. cool. He's young. He's uh-huh. he's got some spunk. Uh, yeah, Dave Meltzer reports that the, the plan here is to start a storyline, uh, with the two of them, and it's going to be similar to Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt from the movie Interview with a Vampire. Interview with a Vampire? And that's the, that's how they're going to run this wrestling stable. Gangrel, uh, do you want to win a championship in WWE? No, I want to suck your blood. <laughs> Uh, Interview I, with the Man. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's fucking dumb. That movie people sucks, like it. right? People like it. People still like it, or yeah. they liked it then. I don't know. They liked Fight Club when it came out. That's true. Another Brad Pitt vehicle. When was the last time you watched Fight Club? Uh, I think we I, I talk about know. this quite often. I don't know. I I was probably, uh, <sighs> you know, I was probably. In co- maybe college, but even then, I was watching it ironically. Yeah, I think at that, po- I feel like watching it Fight in Club college. Fight Club was the first movie that you realize yeah, sucks. Totally, but I wonder if it does suck now. I'm thinking back. I think I might be full circle on it. I haven't watched it for ten years at least. I will I've- tell you what it did do very well was it used that Pixies song really well. When does that happen? Uh, at the end, they play "Where Is My Mind" when all the buildings start exploding. oh yeah totally that is cool i always liked uh uh what's her name helena bonham carter she Who's plays that? marla in fight yeah, club she's great she's a really great actress and I she's just, good in everything that she's in i just watched uh oceans eight yeah which was the most fine film i've ever seen sure totally she's fine. fantastic in it yeah she's so good she's such a good actor mrs tim burton yeah because she, she's so a little she, quirky she doesn't have to work for the rest of her life but right she chooses to out of because love. she's great at uh, the business uh-huh at the craft the business of acting the, so so edge is gonna edge is gonna interview the vampire then. he's gonna interview i just think it's so fucking crazy that they a like interview the vampire is not i maybe it was cool when it came out i think that was like was that, that was cool? like a movie that if you were cool you liked it because it's like it's mildly like literary it's like smart highbrow stuff but brad pitt is bad in it and i 
I just there's think, no way Cruz is good in it. No, he's. I mean, he's just very much being sexy Tom Cruise. Okay. Is there a good movie with a vampire in it? Yeah. Well, is it Nosferatu? Because you're an idiot if you're gonna say that. No, I was not gonna say that. I was gonna say uh, what we do in the shadows. Also, though, have you seen Let the Right One In? No. Uh, it's amazing. And Who that's a that's a vampire film. Okay. Oh, it's a vampire film. It's a vampire film. Okay. Because I I I like film, but I I don't really like go for movies. Oh yeah, we could call it vampire cinema, if you will. If vampire you like, theater. I think Fight Club is where you start thinking about film. That's it. it I. It's a good thing that Fight Club exists. It's a I good thing so. that that's Donnie some, Darko yeah, exists. That's what I'm saying exactly. Um, but. If if you haven't, you you got to move on from it. And I think that there there are movies that come after that, uh, that that are maybe good for you to to watch in succession with those that I think have more of a redeeming quality to them that you might like stray away from and come back to. Like I watched I watched A Clockwork Orange for sure. the first time in eight years the other day. And I was a little bit nervous going into it just because it's 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 an evil person. Um, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about watching yeah, I this. I think this was like, badass when I was a kid. This was awesome when I was 16. And that's embarrassing. And that makes me feel really fucked up. But I watched it. And what he does is, is not awesome. And the movie never says that it is. And mm-hmm. it's also a beautiful piece of work. Uh, from a film director, that is cinema, my Mr. Mr. Kubrick. But like they made the Dracula movie uh, with Bram Stoker, with Gary Oldman, and Scorsese directed that. And that movie sucked. Uh, Coppola directed that. Oh, Coppola directed, which that. is right. weird. And that movie does suck. But there's like really amazing imagery in that movie. Yeah, which got aped by like those Simpsons episodes. It's. Right, and that movie is totally worth watching. It's I've, bad, but it's fun. yeah. I've, I've seen it. I don't think I need to see it again. I don't. don't I don't like. Not. I don't like vampires. I don't. I don't need that stuff in my life. I feel like vampires have like, I, they're just they just lend themselves so perfectly to. Uh, you know what? They lend themselves too perfectly. That's why so many people do shitty things with them. I think that's what it is. They're very accessible forms yeah. of symbolism, right? Which. Uh, you know, played out great with Edge and Gangrel. I think that they, was a that was a great storyline. Probably the two greatest literary vampire figures uh, in all of cinema history. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> another thing that happened this past week in 1998, uh, NBC's planning to air a TV special called "Secrets of Wrestling: Secrets of Pro Wrestling Exposed." Oh no. Uh, in November, they got this plan that they're putting together, and it's going to go head-to-head with uh, an episode of WWF Sunday Night Heat. Oh, no. It's going to feature wrestlers wearing masks to protect their identities, and it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, Fox is interested in getting in on pro, pro wrestling as well uh, because of all of this. But it's, it's pro, I think what's happening here is we're seeing how crazy the numbers are on Monday Night Raw and Nitro. Right. And other TV networks are like, holy shit, people watch wrestling. This but this is, is nuts. see, this is gonna be this is gonna be a problem. And it's gonna be a problem for a few reasons. One, 
you got Sunday Night Heat airing, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but they got this thing. It's called Picture in Picture. So what they're going to be doing, you're saying, is while people are watching Sunday Night Heat, they're also going to be airing something that is on NBC that you can also watch with your picture-in-picture feature. And it's just going to be like what they're doing is not real, and this is how they do it and make it look real. Yeah. So, Which is probably going to stop people from watching wrestling. Well, you know what it's certainly going to do? They might not stop watching wrestling during Sunday Night Heat, but they'll probably move it to the smaller picture and move NBC's pro wrestling secrets revealed into the bigger picture, and then they'll stop watching wrestling after that. They'll be like, I don't even need to know this anymore because now I know how all the secrets are are. Well, they've been exposed to me. They've been exposed. Uh, and yeah. exposure is the key. It ended up airing as Exposed, Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets. Uh, and Narrated by uh, Nick Bakay. Oh, how do you pronounce How do you pronounce I have no idea. Bakay? I have no idea who the person is. You look at him and you'd, and you'd recognize him. He was on a, he was on a Seinfeld. Um, he might have been... He was an Elaine boyfriend for sure. He might have been the one that kept telling her that her hair smelled from the B.O. in the car. But more famously, he was the voice of Salem the Cat oh. on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. How, how, is, how, did you, how did you narrow down that that's definitely more famously what he did? That's crazy. Sabrina also, the Teenage Witch. He also wrote both Paul Blart movies. I kind of like this guy. Um, I like him too. I don't know if I like what he's exposing about the professional wrestling business. So you watched some of this today, right? Oh yeah, I did. What? Can, can we get a quick breakdown? I well, just as, glanced as, a bit of it as, as I walked you, in. As you mentioned, it was produced by the um, producers of uh, Magic Secrets Revealed, which dude, I that mean, show was awesome. Spoiler alert: You see anybody doing magic anymore? Magic's pretty much over. Now that the the masked magician who Remember when he revealed himself? <laughs> Do you remember? Magic yeah. Secrets revealed. They ran like three of those things and the third one was like the It was the me. magician is gonna unmask himself and it's just some it's fucking clown. Magician. Some guy. It's that, not David Copperfield. It's not David Copperfield. So which who the fuck in is 1998, it? there's nobody there's no else. Other magician. It's like it's like oh, <laughs> oh, Magic Secrets revealed. Uh, 2018. I'm binge watching this on Netflix. Oh, the the masked uh magician is gonna reveal himself. Is it Chris Angel? No. Well, the, okay. <laughs> who cares then? But yeah, I remember. Guy who works at a theater. Oh my god! And that guy, that guy was <laughs> certain that it was it was just it was just uphill from there for this guy. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to Vegas to see this guy's this show. Guy. Hopefully, he doesn't wear the mask because I am really getting to know him better <laughs> by his presence. Honestly, by his eyes. I feel like if there was, if I went to Las Vegas this week and there was a guy. If there was a show that was the masked guy from Magic Secrets Revealed's show, that would be so such higher billing in my mind than I mean, whoever the fuck that guy was. I mean, if there's a magician out there that's like looking for an avenue, that's the That'd way to go. That'd be such a go. good gimmick, dude. And like, you know, there were like eight doinks. 
Yeah. Perfect. Just be magic secrets revealed guy. So we did have we did have some masked wrestlers on exposed pro wrestling secrets revealed. We had brute force, the all American boy, Colossus, Ben Hurt, Private Pain, Skullduggery, Slither, who had oh. a snake mask. Uh, oh, Slither or yeah. Slither? No, Slither. Slither. Oh, okay. Slither. Sliver, the best Nirvana song, The Wrestler, and Brash Knuckles. Remember the main event of uh, WrestleMania 16, WrestleMania 2000? It was Brash Knuckles versus the All-American Boy? Oh, uh, yeah. That was a, it was a real barn burner. Um, also, famously, uh, one of these, one of the people, and he's not one of the wrestlers in here, he plays the booker because they explain the booking committee mm-hmm. on pro wrestling's secrets reveal. I can't, I can't exposed. Um, Harley Race was well, he plays the booker in here, and then he explains how one wrestler is picked to be the the winner. Which that's very surprising that Harley Race is doing this. Well, one thing that I read is that. The participants didn't know what they were participating in. That they didn't find out until after that this was all, you know, this was all in the nature of exposing pro wrestling secrets. They probably, they probably changed the name of the production company because, you know, having seen Magic Secrets Revealed... Nobody would have wanted to work. They would have. They would have known. Mm-hmm. It would have been obvious at that yeah. point. Like, oh, what are you? You're with Janhammer LLC. Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, uh. No, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. You're not fooling me. You're not fooling me. I've seen your. I've seen your your masked magician where he he puts needles into his thumb and then turns out that that his thumb, which is under a glove, is actually a carrot. It's a, uh, just a baby carrot. That's what he was doing. That's a really good gimmick. Yeah, it's a good gimmick. But I, you know what? I I respect magic and I respect pro wrestling. Uh, was there anything really interesting that happened? Was, did they just like show how bumps got taken? And yeah. Nothing yeah, too just crazy. Just kind of things that you knew. I came in and saw Hurricane Rana happening. Yeah, and it's like actually the guy who's taking the move just flips in the air. It's like, like oh yeah, yeah. The I big, fucking knew that. When the I big was exposure eight. that I saw in there was, and I remembered having seen this was that they they revealed blading. Oh yeah. Which then I didn't know, um, and they show you like how the ring is put together. They That's show cool. you the boards. And I remember seeing that on Beyond the Mat and being right. like mind blown. Yeah. Which is something I bring up to new fans or like people that are interested in like watching a match now and then and just being like that's fucking wood dude i think that's like one of the biggest revelations that's like oh yeah this hurts everybody this is not like a foam pit yeah they're jumping around right yeah they're not they're not they're not jumping into the crash pad at your gymnastics class yeah that's wood baby that's that's hard and wood is strong (laughs) the uh yeah i don't know i think I remember when I was in uh, maybe like third or fourth grade, our I I 
everybody on the block, all of my friend group went to this summer camp, this like daytime summer camp where parents would drop you off in the morning, pick you up in the afternoon. And it was a Spoleto sports camp. Mr. Uh-huh. Spoleto, the beloved kindergarten teacher's husband, oh. taught this sports camp every uh, summer. Very nice. And, uh, but he was like hard nosed dude. He's a real tough guy. Yeah. And, uh, and oh yeah, because he. How else are you gonna motivate? Right. And but one of the days was uh, pro wrestling is no joke. And he told us all about blading. And he told he told us basically he did pro wrestling secrets revealed. He told us how it's like you guys can't be doing this. Was this at, Nick at home. Bakay? It, it pretty. I think it might have been. I think it might have been Nick Bakay dressing up as Mr. Spoleto, <laughs> and just revealing these secrets. But it was like a really interesting thing to be like. Oh my god! And he was just like, "This is serious stuff, you guys. No horseplay. Knock it off with the with the suckets because this is serious." <laughs> and uh, there will be no suckets at Mr. Spoleto's <laughs> play place. I uh, but then he showed us like a bunch of pictures of like Abdul the Butcher and the, you know like people's foreheads that were just fucked up like tree knots. Yeah, and you jobs. all are like, "Fuck <laughs> yeah, like, this that is, is so, awesome. so cool." That guy looks crazy. <laughs> uh, you didn't get scared straight. No, I mean I kept. We all kept watching wrestling and <laughs> trying to make our own movies. Uh, I think so. The one last interesting thing here is that uh, you know we, like you said earlier, we are on August thirty first, nineteen eighty eight, at a bit of an apex of wrestling. Ninety eight, man, you got you. Nineteen ninety eight. Oh, because we started watching that other. Wrestling. Oh right, yeah. It's, we watched it's, it's some terrible. other pro wrestling. That's why you got the exposed. date wrong at yeah. the beginning of the show. It's true. I just don't know what day it is. The uh, in 1998, the uh, we're at this pinnacle of of the Monday Night Wars, right? Bischoff versus McMahon, Turner versus McMahon, uh, and uh, a TV industry magazine ran a big story on this wrestling boom, and they published a couple of choice quotes. Uh, in regards to WWF's more risque product, Eric Bischoff had this to say, quote, out of desperation and in order to get bigger numbers, they were going with gratuitous TNA <laughs> and women mouthing the F word. I have nothing against going for hardcore adult themes, if indeed your network will allow you to do that, but I think it is irresponsible in the long term, and I think Vince is shooting himself in the foot. Uh, and that was said by Eric Bischoff. Well, it sounds like Eric Bischoff is a bit of a, uh, you know, I think he's got his tail between his legs a little bit. Uh, well, a bit of know, a bit of a wimp. You know what he said right after that? As he said, uh, how, how they uh, they're uh, selling advertising uh, that's geared toward children, and he said, "I'd like Barry Diller, who was then the head of the USA Network." To justify how he sells super soakers, M&Ms, and video games on a program that has half-naked women saying, fuck you. Which I think is a great quote. That is a great quote. And and yeah, how do you sleep at night, Barry Diller? And I mean, you, you just gave an example of the level of influence that this product had on you at, at your sports camp. That's when I started where, saying, fuck you. And you, and you took a... And you took a softball to the to the face because you were too busy telling your friends to <laughs> suck it, and then you had to go to the you had to go to the infirmary and they put a big stake on your eye. Yeah, how do you sleep at night? 
Uh, no, knowing that you've been concussed because of the wrestling Because product. of the industry. You know, business. I've, I've been listening to Eric Bischoff's 83 Weeks podcast a How lot is it? Lately. I fucking love Eric Bischoff. It, I could listen to that guy talk all day. He is so... He's just perfect, you know? He talks about... He talks very blatantly. I guess, like, w- the biggest revelation that I'm getting through it is that really the most important part of like what's happening in WCW is Turner broadcasting. Sure. And so what he's relaying here is that WWE is able to do something with their product that he's not, he's not showing crotch chops and F bombs um, because he can't. Right. And that's because, Turner is saying no and then when the AOL Time Warner merger comes that's what kills WCW but I love I love listening to it he all right apologies that got cut off there we really can't tell why but all that Eric Bischoff's podcast great I love listening to him talk he's great you my friend have an exciting Saturday planned. I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. I hope that you have a great time. It's uh, it sounds like it's gonna be an historic event. Yeah, I think so. I think it's gonna be historic. You're gonna have a fun time, and uh, and to anyone out there who's going, you know, wish you wish you nothing but but good times and good cheer. My mom asked. <laughs> sorry, real quick. My mom, my mom texted me yesterday. And she said, I heard that there's... Because my mom lives in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. It's where I was born and raised. Uh, And she said, I heard that there's a wrestling thing at at the Sears Center in Hoffman Estates. And I said, oh, mom, there is. And I'm going. She said, there's a podcast convention, too. Are you guys going to be running your show there? (laughs) I said... No, mom, we're not. No, mom, there there are literally tens of thousands of other uh, <laughs> people out there who think that they're as good as us, but they're not, and we don't want to go and and make them we didn't, feel I, sorry. That's like I said we didn't even want to go. Yeah, we didn't even we didn't even want to go because we have, uh, you know, we've got the tools and they work most of the time, and we definitely have the talent. That's true. But hey, if you if you like uh, what we're doing here, subscribe to it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tell a friend about the show. Uh, we tried to do something a little bit different this week. Let us know what you thought of it. We had a lot of fun with it, so we probably will do it again. Whether or not you liked it, deal with it. This is the direction, baby. We're we're trudging our own path, moving forward into the twenties. The teens have been great to us, but hey. Next week is 20, and I'm 31, and and i got to take a nap. So be back then. <laughs> Thanks.